Hey everyone, we're going to dive right in with one email and just one email because we have a lot of catch up in the news and what we watched categories that we didn't get to last week. Thanks to our guest. And it is thanks to our guest from Nightmare on Fierce Street. We enjoyed having them on. We hope you've enjoyed listening to their podcast. So straight into the one email. This is from Allison in Norfolk, who started out an email with very complimentary things that I've written in my journal and will read back to myself before bed, but I will save that for later. My friend, another John, and I watch random horror movies every Tuesday night together via Zoom, but hope to do so in person once again lockdown fully ends. The gist of it is that they watch movies about abandoned hospitals or themed in abandoned hospitals or groups of friends going for a trip by the lake. It would have been easier if I just read the email instead of just like going off on a tangent there. I am not good at improvising, evidently. (laughs) So the question, so my question to the dark trio, which we fully accept that nomenclature and it may or may not become the title of this episode. What are your favorite abandoned hospital and lake trip movies that I can pitch for future movie nights? Thank you, Allison. And you are welcome, Allison. Zena. One abandoned hospital movie. I can't promise that I won't give two. What? What? No. That's not fair. But all right. Fine. Fine. Okay. You can give a total of three picks. (laughs) No, no, no. Not three of each. Three total from abandoned hospital and lake trip. So it can be two hospital. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'll give um, one hospital. uh, And that's Madhouse from 2004. And I feel like that one kind of gets, I don't want to say disregarded, but sometimes people forget about it. But it's a really good one, and I believe it might be on Tubi. And then for an abandoned lake, uh, I'm going to give two. So the first one, (laughs) Dead Mary from 2007. Even though you don't see the lake too often, it kind of revolves around it, and it'll make sense when you um, see it. Then I also want to go with a made-for-TV movie, Cabin by the Lake from 2000. Okay. And I'll just leave it at that, which... I don't know where it's streaming. It might be on YouTube. It might be on Amazon. But watch it is yes. what but she's saying. It. Watch it. All right. How about you, Megan? Uh, for Hospital, uh, Session 9, super creepy, ambiguous horror. So if you don't Which like might that, be on Netflix right now. I'm pretty sure it is on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it's celebrating its 15th anniversary this year possibly nice just fit no i think 20th wasn't 20th? it 2001 or 2000 that was 2000 i'm not sure it's celebrating a major anniversary <laughs> 15 20 something i don't know but watch it is the gist um lake i'm going with piranha uh you could go with the either. original piranha you could go with either but i think i lean towards the remake with aha just because it's so over the top with both the creatures and the gore. So, yeah, I would go with that one. Um, and for the third one, it's not quite a group, but Honeymoon um, for Lakeside Horror. I feel like, I mean, it's it's a couple on their honeymoon, so there are more than one. But, yeah, it's a really good creepy one that does not give you what you expect. And I've decided for Lake Trips to go wild card and pick Eden Lake, which is... It's a lot. It's a lot. It is one of the most brutal movies I've ever watched. Same. And you're probably not going to feel good after watching it, but maybe you will. I'm not here to judge. But Eden Lake, which is available on Tubi right now, starring Michael Fassbender. And for abandoned hospitals, I got to go to 
with Grave Encounters being one of my all-time favorite found footage movies and Gojium Haunted Asylum, also nice. one of my all-time favorite found footage movies. Both, I think, are at least on Tubi. I think Gojium's on Amazon, too. You know what I realized, though, is that we're, we're telling everyone where they could possibly see it, but streaming rights are different in the UK. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. So, you know, take, take our <laughs> recommendations, but where to stream them, yeah, it's a wild card. Good luck. <laughs> yes. Good luck, Alice. They should be fairly accessible, though. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist, Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hi. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. If not, we're going to do our quick round the table for the movies, books, games, or anything else in horror that are making the three of us smile right now. Maybe there'll be things that'll make you smile too. So, Zena, what's been filling your heart this week? Guys, I had a wonderful horror week full of just wonder and beauty. And magic? And magic. Magicalness. Oh, uh, so magic. It is. It is. Well, no, no, because there's been some weeks where it's like, whoa, what am I going to say? You know, but (laughs) no, we've all been there. But okay, so the first movie I checked out, I wanted to go back uh, to the 70s. So I checked out Scalpel from 1977 on Tubi. When an unhinged surgeon happens across a young woman with her face beaten beyond recognition, he sees an opportunity to put his trusty scalpel to use, hatching a plan to reconstruct her face in the image of his missing daughter. So, as one does. As one nice. does. This is a very slow burn horror thriller that has like a southern gothic flavor and a doppelganger, which I think is pretty saucy because it was unexpected, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, well, what I thought was pretty cool about it, I, which it's not really cool when you think about it, but this movie was actually made in 1975, but it wasn't released until 1977. So you have this doctor, he is super desperate, which I'm going to get to why I think so. (laughs) You have this doctor, he is super desperate. He is just a complete mess because he did whatever he could so he could inherit his family's money and their estate. But he needs his daughter to be there. His daughter ran away. They don't say why she ran away, but you can only imagine, you know, so... He just so happens um, to come across this woman. Well, just before he does that, the reason why it's so important that his daughter comes back or that he's able to persuade her is because it's kind of like this. If he's able to control his daughter, then he'll be able to get everything instead of his daughter getting it. So either she can come back or she can just, you know, never come back. So he's afraid that he might just, she might just show up one day. So he decides to take it into his own hands. He sees this woman who... She just completely, her face just messed up completely. He has a talent. So he decides to put his talent to use. And this woman, he makes a deal with her where she's okay, I'm going to, he made her look like his daughter. And the deal is he wanted, he wants her to pretend to be the daughter and the family, they're very tight knit. So they're going to know. So throughout the time, it's not only just with the face, he has to be able to, she has to be able to, you know, act like her, the same mannerisms. And she just so happens to be like the same height, the same size. And if she does this, he'll split the money with her. But obviously, you know, things are not going to go as planned. It's a horror movie. Horror do not have 
it doesn't have any chill. So you know what to expect, you know? So it's just a real roller coaster ride. Even trying to describe the synopsis, it sounds so out of control. <laughs> so there are some scenes that make that made me feel uncomfortable because um, you know, something I noticed, I guess it was a weird time in the 70s. I don't know. But like <laughs> Yeah, a little. Yeah, because you you have this guy who is just like this creepy daddy, okay? And then he wants to like sleep with his daughter like she looks like your daughter dude and he does that's the spoiler (laughs) and it's just like ew you know and then it's like it's gross and it's creepy and I didn't like it but I have to be honest with you there's just something so like intriguing about this movie because I thought it was going to be more of a thriller either a thriller or I thought it was going to be by the name you know you're going to have this surgeon who has human flesh everywhere he's outrageous (laughs) but no if there's clearly there's something mentally wrong with the guy he's a disturbing man but if you were to see him he looks like a regular man he's a respectable man he's a surgeon everybody trusts this man just whoa but he's a creepy daddy in the 70s and creepy daddy gross (laughs) creepy daddy the guy's a surgeon it sounds like it'd be way easier just to work and make money (laughs) Right? It and it's just so like, but complicated. He's, he's so greedy. I guess he wants all of it. And again, I, I just feel like seeing is believing. If you are interested in watching this movie, I know it is streaming a couple of places. And I, I, I remember hearing a couple of years ago, they kind of like remastered it. So it's available on like, it has like a special edition Blu-ray and stuff like that. But it may not make you squirm with blood and guts, but it will make you feel uncomfortable. So, um, warning. Warning. Creepy daddy. Warning. Creepy daddies. Uh, Then the next thing I checked out, um, I watched the South Korean horror White Melody of Death, a.k.a. White Melody of the Curse from 2011 on Amazon. A Korean pop group, you know, they are struggling so hard to become famous. And then they come across this song and they just become a huge hit. And everybody wants to know who these talented girls are who go by like pink dolls and um yes there are some familiar like asian horror tropes um that you'll see which i won't go into detail i think you i'm pretty sure you know what i mean but i don't know there's just something that i found really interesting and fun about this one um clearly it's it's a horror but uh there's some awesome music in it and on top of that um it kind of shows the negative side of k-pop of the korean entertainment um obviously that's how it is here in the states too but there are so many groups who are fighting to get to the top but it just mainly showcases them willing to do whatever it takes to get to the top even kill even steal it doesn't matter they just want to be famous yeah and um even just how hard they they were going and i just kind of felt that uh i love the fact that this movie just feels ruthless because you always hear about this kind of stuff with people sometimes like as an example with the members of the group even though they stole this song you can see like the certain members they're changing they're starting to get a little bit cocky they're acting a little weird you know changed them yeah and uh, clearly and uh they're killing each other so there's (laughs) there's some other stuff that that's happening but yeah it's it's um it's just a really cool movie you know, uh, again, just also just seeing what people will do for success and stuff like that. And I just found it fun. 
So I kind of like that like cursed song thing, like Panganini horror and Deathgasm, like the the hymn. Yeah, so I like that. Like like uh, Chuck Palahniuk's uh, lullaby novel. Cool. I have not read it, so I believe you. (laughs) It's like that, yes. It's a children's lullaby that kills people. Yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, it's not, but it is. And <laughs> you know, it is from an audience perspective, yeah. And in their defense, I'm not going to lie, that song slaps. Like, the, the, they stole it, they did, <laughs> but it was a really catchy song, and it's just like, whoa, who are they? And it's just, it's insane just how fast it just, that curse spread like a wildfire, so... Okay, well, that, oh, I'm done. Uh, what about you, Megan? <laughs> I checked out Exists. Uh, it's a 2014 release. It's on Tubi. Um, and it is basically about five friends who travel to a remote cabin in the woods and plan a party weekend, um, even though they didn't really tell anybody where they were going. And sure enough, <laughs> they're in Bigfoot's territory, and Bigfoot is pretty upset that they're there. <laughs> It's from the director of Blair Witch Project, uh, Eduardo Sanchez, and it has Dora Madison in it. I did, yeah, I recognized her. I probably wouldn't have if I'd seen this. This was my first time watching this, and I probably wouldn't have had a clue who she was then. But she's a, uh, she's the lead in Bliss. Um, she's also one of the right henchmen in BFW. I nice. love her. Uh, anyways, I have to admit that I am kind of a tough sell when it comes to Bigfoot horror because I feel like they're pretty similar. You know, people are idiots wandering in the woods where they shouldn't be and there's a Bigfoot and it's mad. And guess what? (laughs) This has a very similar setup. Uh, But I like the kind of, one, the way that it's done is entertaining and there's like a, a kind of, not a twist, but like a story beat at the end that is like, oh, okay, I understand why this is all happening. And it also reminded me of this anthology from the 80s. Uh, it's literally just called Nightmares. And it has all these different stories. Like one is Emilio mm-hmm. Estevez and there's one with the rat terrorizing people. And like, that's what this reminds me of, <laughs> which is way out of the left field. Um, but anyways, it, it doesn't really sell me on Bigfoot as a whole. I think they need to figure out, I don't know what you could do to Bigfoot. The Vice Guide to Bigfoot is, might be the closest movie to be like, alright, I can I can see them shaking up this formula a bit. But, uh, you know, this was really good, brutal, fun. I, I enjoyed seeing Bigfoot terrorize these people because some of them were annoying. And I don't know about... Some? Yeah, well, <laughs> most of them. And I don't know it about It is phone you. footage, remember. Yeah, well, I mean, there are found footage movies where I feel like I, I like some of these people. And at least it did a good job of explaining why they couldn't leave. You know, they were getting trapped at every step of the way, which I really appreciated. Um, because I would have taken one look at that cabin and been like, no. I don't even think I would have gotten that far, to be honest. I would have been Googling, like, Airbnb or something ahead of time. Show me pictures of this cabin in the middle of nowhere with no signal and seen pictures of this thing and been like, nope, no, hotel, please. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in that respect, I'm, they, they kind of had it coming. Don't go there. This is not a place you want to stay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but it is pretty entertaining, especially if you just you want an easy breezy 
chaotic, fun movie. Um, and then I watched, um, I don't know if any listeners happened to play along with Xena and I watching uh, Death by Temptation last week, but the same day that yeah. that dropped on Shudder, they also dropped one of my favorites, another kind of trauma distributed <laughs> title called Black Roses, which I've talked about before. Uh, it was released in 1988. It is available on Shudder. And the general, sh- like, super short synopsis is demons hypnotize the teens of a small town by posing as a rock band. They kind of woo them by being rock bands and playing. None of this makes sense when you watch it transpire. Um, And it's utterly charming anyways. It's directed by John Fasano. He also directed Rock and Roll Nightmare, and he was one of the writers behind Darkness Falls. Uh, The demon guitarist is Frank, played by Frank Dietz. He recently wrote the pesticide segment for season two of Creepshow. And it also has actress Julie Adams, the original heroine from Creature of the Black Lagoon. So it's got like a lot of people in it, but it's kind of this goofy, nonsensical plot. But I adore it anyways, because heavy metal and horror go together like peanut butter and jelly. And there's monsters and there's literally demons. I watched this movie at, in like as a whole, but I've also gone back and rewatched the opening like concert at least five times now. Just rewind and watch it over again and rewind because it's so earworm catchy. It's like that's the type of music video that I would have watched as a kid on MTV and been like, "Yep, this is my favorite band because there's monsters playing." <laughs> Big Guar fan back in the day. Yeah, yeah. All of that. So, yeah, that's what I watched. Well, I have to play catch up before I even get to the most recent stuff that I watched. So, from two weeks ago, I have Megan's pick, Triangle, on Tubi. Yacht passengers encounter mysterious weather conditions that force them to jump on a seemingly abandoned cruise ship, only to have the odd havoc increase in a twisted game of cat and mouse. All right, Megan, before we dive into this one, why this one? Uh, I really wanted to kind of expand the concept of what aquatic horror can be, because I think you think of it and you think of like shark attack. And this is essentially a slasher at sea with a nice kind of uh, time loop twist. So I was very curious to see how you would feel about it. Uh, I mostly liked it. Um one for the fact that Liam Hensworth is in it and looks exactly like Joe Maurer, the former catcher slash first baseman from the twins. Anyone who knows the <laughs> twins and likes baseball, watch it and tell me he doesn't look like Joe Maurer. Anywho, uh, the only part I didn't like is there is abuse of a special needs kid and it is not needed yeah. whatsoever. Uh, yeah. I thought that would be a problem for you, but she's essentially like karma's come for her yeah so and i'll get the plot back to the plot in a second and someone drops a hard r in referring to the kid like Uh, you don't need mm -hmm. to make people bad characters by using words like that like it's just dumb and lazy to me anyway granted this was like 2008 or something and whatever but so just if it is movie starts out group of friends are going to go out for like a day on a yacht and their friend shows up played by Who's the star, the actress? Um, Melissa George? Yes, Melissa George. Shows up really disheveled, really out of it, not really sure what's going on. Everyone's a little weirded out. Storm hits, capsizes the boat. 
the woman who decided to use the hard R in referring to her son gets washed away. And I was like, okay, good. But again, <laughs> I didn't need to want her to wash away. <laughs> I just did. Uh, and uh, a mysterious cruise ship comes by and they get on it to be saved. And But it's empty and weird stuff ensues. I really like the... I guess we'll say the plot twist, but it's really just the plot mm -hmm. of what happens once they're on the cruise ship. It's really creative and it's really kind of mind bendy and like everything that happens. It's just they, they made some really weird choices as far as like I like I've already said with this a special needs son um, that just was way like completely turned me off. Like my wife started watching the movie and as soon as the woman refers to her son well, that way, she's like, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, all right, good night, hon. I'll finish watching later. And then I got towards the end, and I was like, oh, hon, you're glad you didn't stay to the end of this. <laughs> um, but it is a good movie. It is very interesting. It is not what I expected at all. I was expecting more of like a straight slasher, and it's not. And the twist happens pretty quickly. I guess like halfway through, you realize what the twist is in its own way. So it's kind of interesting how quickly the twist happens. Mm -hmm. And then like kind of keeps twisting like on that route, but more or less a recommend minus those content warnings. So if people don't want to hear or see that pass, but it is, I, I think it was, it was entertaining for sure. And then Zena's pick mausoleum on shutter, which I think was like 83. Yes. 83. A 10 year old girl mourning the death of her mother becomes possessed by a demon who's been preying on her female ancestors for centuries Years later, the demon starts to take her over mentally and physically. All right, so you know why this one? Because it's ridiculous. And, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> and I feel like it has it all. There's a there's a horrible curse. There's a demon. There's over dramatic acting. There's also Elsie, you know, who's my spirit animal, who <laughs> I want to tell my boss off like that. But I don't know. It's just it's just a fun movie. It, <laughs> It starts out in, you know, in a cemetery, like at at a service for this girl's mother, and all of a sudden she runs off, and her aunt just breaks down. Not her too. <laughs> in the biggest, most overdramatic scream, and I'm literally just sitting there, like, what? Because <laughs> you have no idea what she's talking about. And that's about. how it is the whole movie. You have yeah, no idea what's going how... on. <laughs> it's so bonkers. Like as far as like the possession angle is. Not not just the possession, but how people are treating the knowledge of this woman being demonically possessed. Like her therapist, through hypnosis, realizes that she's demonically possessed. And his reaction is basically, huh, <laughs> she's possessed. Like he takes it so well. Like it is just run of the mill day for this guy. And then her husband's it is, the worst. Like he oh, has no help. Not at all. Every time you think he's going to help, he just doesn't. <laughs> like, like, not that he's not trying to be helpful or anything, like, but he's, a, he's aware of what's happening and he notices it and he starts to care, like the blood on the phone. And then she's just like, don't worry about it. And he's like, okay. <laughs> like, what? So it's very crazy, but it's on Shutter. I kind of recommend watching it just... Again, just to say you watched it, because it. it is, it's a little bit bananas, and it might become like, I don't want to say guilty pleasure, but like comfort watch. Yes. Like, because it's crazy. <laughs> Very other end of things from Triangle, watching Mausoleum. <laughs> 
And then I enjoyed, I think I might've mentioned this last week on the podcast. I enjoyed sitting in the dark by myself for six hours last week. I watched Army of the Dead, which I'm not going to talk about. And then I watched Spiral in the theater. I was almost by myself the entire time. There was like six people in both theaters combined. Wow. But I did watch Spiral. I was really looking forward to this because I was more curious to see how it was going to go. In the new chapter from the Book of Saw, Detective Zeke Banks is forced to face a career in a crooked police department as a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice. I was, this movie made me happy for the Saw franchise. I think Chris Rock did a really good job kind of writing the train or writing the ship, as it were. Um, I don't think I've had this much, I, I don't think I've enjoyed watching a Saw movie as much since like the first couple of Saws. Because it's its its own thing. It's its own standalone. You can you can even just know the idea of Saw, that, that Saw exists, and watch Spiral and not be totally lost. You don't need to know it. They basically just reference Jigsaw having existed. And then you're pretty much okay watching the rest of it. Um, have either of you watched Spiral? I haven't watched it yet, so I've been I've been waiting. Megan. Yes. Did you like it? I did like it. Ooh. <laughs> With a standing ovation on that one. <laughs> um, but a big fan. It was uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock wasn't my favorite part of the movie but he did a pretty good job all things considered and i liked the the plot was a little bit more simplified it it, uh it didn't rely on you having to potentially having watched like six other saw films Mm -hmm. you know like megan (laughs) endured watching all the saw franchise a couple of weeks ago um to understand past plot points or anything like that samuel jackson's really fun in it uh big recommend if you if you like the sound movies, if you haven't even watched the sound movies and you're curious to get into it, totally recommend it. Um, especially if you get a chance to go back into the theaters. Well, is it as bloody and gory as that one? Do, did they go more tame? Uh, it was pretty bloody. Nice. There was, it's, it wasn't, Saw has gone bigger as far as the blood, but I don't think much. Like, they stayed pretty true to the gore nice. in this okay. one. And then, I, I this, because this just became available on Shudder, I had to check it out. 2020's Psycho Gorman. Yeah! <laughs> no, that's an accurate response. <laughs> After unearthing a gem that controls an evil monster looking to destroy the universe, a young girl, Mimi, uses it to make him do her bidding while unwittingly summoning the attention of some of the most dangerous and powerful beings in the galaxy. First things first, we did the fierce list wrong because Mimi should have been on that list. I am taking Aaron off from your necks and putting Mimi on. That girl is bonkers. It's true. She will just. Our list was missing a sociopath. Yeah. What? I think, think that she's just so adorable i feel like she could be my daughter like i feel like i act like that as a kid oh my god i respect your parents so much more xena not that i didn't before but whoa she's fun she's fun I mean, she... but she is bossy and careless with anybody's feelings or she does not care about anybody no 
think she cares a little. <laughs> a little. Debatable, even with her brother. Yeah. <laughs> um. This is. This might be one of my favorite movies of like the last year. Same. And yeah. it's. And it's. I think it might have to be in my top five horror comedies list. I laughed so many times during this, especially like the dad is just so ridiculously <laughs> stupid. Him making the chicken in the microwave and being so proud of it and everything else. And it's just like all the beats. Psycho Gorman is hilarious. Yeah. Like way I, I was thinking of this is like the best version of Power Rangers. <laughs> like if you want to watch adult Power Rangers, watch Psycho Gorman. Like between the costume effects, the blood, just like the the back and forth dialogue, like it's all amazingly funny. Even when you think it's not gonna be funny, then it just is. What did you think of Psycho Gorman, Meg? I liked it. <laughs> I think she's just waiting for the news. I think that's my cue to wrap no, things up. No, that is not. But yeah, talk about it all you want. <laughs> no, because I watched. Four, I she watched like twelve <laughs> movies the last week. I need to wrap things up because we have a lot to get to. But Psycho Gorman is on Shudder. If you have Shudder, go watch Psycho Gorman, especially if you like horror comedies. You're doing yourself a disservice if you like horror comedies and you don't watch Psycho Gorman. That's that's what it, that's that's do it. <laughs> that's as aggressive as I get right there. Okay, so before we get into the next thing, what do we watch and how do we watch it? So I watched Scalpel on Tubi and White Melody of Death, a.k.a. White Melody of the Curse on Amazon. I watched Exists on Tubi and Black Roses on Shudder. I watched Triangle on Tubi, Mausoleum on Shudder, Spiral in the Theaters, and Psycho Gorman on Shudder. Okay, before we get to the news, what am I watching next week? Uh, Meg? Um, let's go with the movie that is kinder to kids, Little Monsters on Hulu. Aww. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. I've been meaning to. There you go. I loved uh I, I loved <laughs> the uh <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> did we did we stumble on a like soiled underwear landmine that we don't know? <laughs> no, no, I'll I'll tell you afterwards. I'm sorry. It just really brought joy. <laughs> Which for context listeners, that's a that's a it, that's an inside joke from Patreon. <laughs> So if you're curious about the soiled underwear line, make sure you sign up at patreon.com slash bedisgustingpod. For our bonus episode Zena? here, yeah. Yeah, Zena, can you follow that up? What am I watching? Okay, well, I I laughed because, like, Megan said, oh, you know, being kind to kids. So now I'm not. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have balance. We have to have balance. We have to have balance. Okay, but wait, have you seen Clown from 2016? <laughs> uh, where the guy becomes a clown? I have. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, maybe that's a sign. Like, the that Lord is telling me, stop it. <laughs> um, okay. Instead, I'm going to go, uh, have you seen The Cleansing Hour? I have. Oh, oh, John, we're about to fight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just didn't want, I just didn't uh, mention it when I watched Okay, it. have you seen, don't worry, I have a whole list. Have you right. seen Shopping Tour? No. 2012 on no, Tubi. No, I don't think so. Okay. Shopping Tour, huh? Yes. I don't think I've even heard of it. 
All right. There he goes. Yeah. We we made it. I knew we could get there. Did we? <laughs> you shot my right. dreams. Oh. Enough of what we, we've been watching this week. It's time for Megan to bring us up to speed on the news and trending topics in the world of horror. So what's going on, Megan? Netflix teased a new movie coming soon. Well, soon-ish. Um, described as Midsummer meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is called A Classic Horror Story. Uh, from directors Roberto DeFeo, who did 2019's Italian horror The Nest, and Paolo Stripoli, a mysterious Italian horror film titled A Classic Horror Story has popped up this um, pretty recently, teased by Netflix on Twitter with the first look. Uh, and the plot is described as music for children, an abandoned house, five strangers, it looks like the classic horror movie, and instead dot dot dot. And then it goes into a really short teaser that has a very interesting house that probably looks like something out of Midsummer, um, with a man tied to a table with some crazy pointy contraption aimed at his eyes and a guy or a robed figure watching as this thing clamps and the camera cuts away. And that's it. And there's like some kind of folksy <laughs> tune playing. Um, that teaser does more for me than... Midsummer meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre Same. because it just seems so, such a vague description. And also Midsummer is heavily influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre already. <laughs> so to me, I'm like, they've already met. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so obviously. Do better descriptions. Yeah. I mean, I get the whole marketing standpoint like giving uh something familiar for audiences to grab onto works but i mean that that teaser does enough i think Um, i I guess you all saw it yeah yeah that's pretty brutal the 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 head and the vice like Mm -hmm. just right above his eyes yeah like eye trauma yeah kind of like what you said i could have done without that description kind of hearing it i'm not gonna lie it makes me just kind of like oh meaning like i don't know if i would want to see it from that description but then yeah seeing like the the preview for it and everything then you know, all right you have my attention you know yeah of- it just sounds like they just that was like their pull quote from the original pitch meeting yeah where like the the writer sat down at the exacts and they're like so tell, what is this what's your elevator pitch it's midsummer meets texas chainsaw massacre yeah okay go so But it is kind of nice because I think when it comes to, I mean, Netflix is really good about all of this content. They have Mm -hmm. so much content. And when it comes to the international titles, they just, it just slides right under the radar. So the fact that they've even teased that through Twitter, whichever, like that, that's nice. It bodes well. I, my curiosity is peaked. Um, So yeah. And Speaking of Netflix, R.L. Stein's Fear Street trilogy is kicking off in a summer event on July 2nd. Three movies, three weeks, one killer story. They are releasing the entire trilogy in the same month. All Roads Lead to Fear Street, a trio of period horror films, all directed by Lee Janiak, who did Honeymoon, which I mentioned at the top of the episode, so it was a double purpose there. Uh, and it's adapted from R.L. Stein's books. Uh, Netflix released the first trailer for Fear Street, offering up footage from the entire trilogy and revealing each film's release date. So in Fear Street Part, part 1, 1994, that's July 2nd, uh, it's 
The plot is in the aftermath of a brutal tragedy in Shadyside, Ohio, where a group of teens discover that a series of horrifying events have plagued their town over many years may not be random, and they might be the next victims. Then a week later, on July 9th, you've got Beer Street Part 2, 1978. Uh, in 1978, Camp Nightwing is divided by campers and counselors who hail from the prosperous town of Sunnyvale and the campers and maintenance staffers from the downtrodden town of Shady Side. But when their horrors from their town's shared history come alive, they must band together to solve a mystery before it's too late. And then it goes back way further. So on July 16, you've got Beer Street Part 3, which is set in 1666 where a colonial town is gripped by a hysterical witch hunt that has deadly consequences for centuries to come. And it's up to teenagers uh, in 1994 to try and finally put an end to their town's curse before it's too late. So Janiac said in a statement, we filmed all three over one crazy bloody summer. It's a dream that audiences now get to experience the story in the same way, back to back to back with one week of waiting in between. I can't wait for everyone to uh, welcome everyone to the world of Fear Street. And R.L. Stein added, Fear Street fans are in for a treat, some major surprises. Readers know that the book series is rated PG, but the movies are rated R. Yeah. That means more thrills, a lot more terror. I've seen J Lee Janiak's epic trilogy releasing, and I can tell you the scares and the screams are more than I ever expected. So, yeah, I mean, that is a very ballsy thing. Because these were young adult novels, and they're going to be rated R. So it's, like, more for everybody. I, I have to admit, though, that I only started the teaser, and I stopped. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even care because I'm going to watch them, so... Did you watch them? Watch the trailer? No, I haven't seen the trailer. I figure that this is purely Xena's wheelhouse, especially once you mentioned uh, young adult turn rated R. It sounded like Star Wars <laughs> went like the adult route with the the trilogy. I mean, I think that it makes a lot of sense because kids these days, they are a little bit mature, you know, with things that they're watching and everything. And also for us adults, heck yeah. So it just seems like they're, they're more catering, you know, towards us. But I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, I'll, I'll be excited either way. But this is yeah. kind of like what you said. It seems like it's going to be a bit more, you know, violent, a little bit of yeah. blood. And Can that's what we like. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting litmus test, a lot like uh, what Deadpool was for going like the rated R route for superhero movies. Like, because it, you know, the studios were so hesitant to go rated R. Like, we're not going to make money if we can't, if kids aren't able to see the superhero movies. But it's at and home, think, so. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so something like this, now it, it's, it's another progression in that. You're yeah. taking young adults and you're like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to gear this towards the adult audience that grew up with it. Like, let's see how it goes. Yeah. If this goes well, this could really open the door for stuff. And yeah. honestly, like, I, we've talked about it before. I was always more of a Christopher Pike reader than an R.L. Stein reader. And a lot of Christopher Pike's content, like, I can't speak to Fear Street specifically because I only read a few of them versus, like, I consumed everything Christopher Pike. And Christopher Pike always kind of wrote towards kids as if they were adults. Like, some of the stuff in, in his books were very grown up. So it's like... But that was an unchecked world. It's a lot easier for parents to control what their kids are watching versus what they're reading. So very True. interesting kind of uh, play on that. But yeah, Zena and I will be watching popcorn, watch parties, whatever. I don't know what we're yeah. doing. But... <laughs> uh, and this is also Xena news. Hocus Pocus 2 <laughs> is coming to Disney Plus next Halloween. 
Disney confirmed late last year that the long-awaited sequel, Hocus Pocus 2, is on the way for the Disney Plus streaming service, and we learned that it's going to be arriving next year, and it's going to premiere in the fall of 2022, obviously, because Halloween. Um, it's being billed as the spooky sequel to the 1993 Halloween classic, suggesting that it's a continuation. And uh, the question was... Will the original movie's main cast be back when they first kind of announced this? And the answer is yes, they will. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy all confirmed via Twitter that they are going to be back as the Sanderson sisters. Mm-hmm. In the sequel, three young women accidentally bring the Sanderson, Sanderson sisters back to modern-day Salem and must figure out how to stop the child-hungry witches from wreaking havoc in the world. Um, Anne Fletcher, who did The Guilt Trip, is confirmed to direct the movie this fall. The Kenny Ortega-directed 1993 movie starred Omri Katz as a curious youngster who moved to Salem, where he struggled to fit in before awakening the Sanderson sisters, who were executed in the 17th century. Uh, Jen D'Angelo, who uh, I guess writes for Workaholics TV show, she wrote the sequel script. Um, I do think it's... Interesting. Zena, do you remember? Because I feel like that they released this in like 2023, it would be the perfect symmetry to 1993's release. Oh, but I could see I could see wanting to put it a year earlier, like get it to the fans as soon as possible. Um, I I guess I'm more happy that they're actually going to do it in October, which is what I mean, the entire original movie was very Halloween, but it released in july july yeah yeah so yeah i didn't even think about that 2023 that would be like great but honestly i'm gonna okay this is gonna sound so messed up but we're (laughs) we're all we're all cool um i kind of want the sanderson sisters to win i mean they've been trying for so long just let them win once and then we can (laughs) maybe somehow you know they don't stretch out to other kids outside of salem just the ones in salem you just want them to, to eat all of the Salem children, but that's it. Once they hit that's the border it. of the town, that's it. Then, but black then cats the must FBI. survive. Yeah, that's it. I don't see a problem with that. <laughs> Zena, I just appreciate you calling me cool. Anything you say after that, I agree. Go. I'm on your side. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Team eat those kids. You have a daughter. John, yeah. which does she yeah. like Hocus she... Pocus? Is this exciting news for her? I imagine it's totally um... exciting for you too, but <laughs> I think it's more exciting for my wife. Aww. Um my uh my daughter watched Hocus Pocus. She got oddly nervous Aww. about it when she was watching. She got really into Pennywise lately, and that's actually been a pretty big problem for us. <laughs> Not to end my parenting skills on here. I blame TikTok and YouTube and that crap. It's like she likes Pennywise is not too much for her, but the Sanderson sisters are. Well, he wasn't. She was very adamant trying to convince us that she was not scared of Pennywise, so we should let her watch it. Mm. So we let her watch the trailer to the remake. Uh-oh. And she, like, didn't blink during it. And she seemed like <laughs> she was okay. And since then, she's been talking about having nightmares about Pennywise. Oh, and I was no. like, oh, well, there's a check mark against Dad on that one. Aww. Well, just keep her away from Salem. Yeah, and she should be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think she'll be for it. Like, I think she likes being involved in stuff. So Hocus Pocus 2, if we say, honey, Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out, she'll probably just scream and then 
ask us what Hocus Pocus is. Oh, you watch it. I see a, a Sanderson sisters Hocus Pocus uh, Halloween costume theme in your future. I could do that. You sure. could be like Doug Jones' character. Ooh. Why can't I be a witch? I mean, you could if you, you wanted. Could, I just thought I just thought you would want to be Doug Jones. I figured me, if anyone, I'd be Sarah Jessica Parker's character. <laughs> I I definitely say a muck a muck a muck. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's it. The role's yours. Didn't even try, but we'll give it to you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Escape Room sequel brings winners together in Tournament of Champions. The Adam Robitel-directed horror thriller Escape Room traps six strangers in a building to play a game that was actually rigged with deadly traps. The sequel, uh, the film's epilogue set up the sequel, uh, the first of which is set to open this summer from Columbia Pictures. So Escape Room Tournament of Champions is the title to his follow-up, which finds six new people who unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive. And that connection is that they've all played the game before. Um, Bloody Disgusting does have a few of the first images for the sequel, if you want to see. Just kind of briefly teases some possible trap-like scenarios that that might occur. Um, It will be in theaters everywhere on July 16th. Lo- uh, Escape Room stars Logan Miller and Taylor Russell. They're returning from the first movie. Uh, it also has Isabel Furman, who was in Orphan, and Ho- Holland Roden, who is in Channel Zero Butcher's Block, India Moore from Pose, and Carlito Ol- Olivero also star. So yeah, uh, did you guys like the first movie? I love the first one. I thought that it was such a surprise. So that's why I was excited about, um, you know, the sequel. I'm just wondering how it's going to uh, play out because it was just, again, really refreshing, you know, surprising. I just hope that I still feel that way with the sequel, you know? Yeah. I actually didn't see the first escape room. I remember when it first, the trailer first dropped, I've, <clears throat> I've never been the person who's been particularly excited about the idea of escape rooms in the first place so then they made a movie about it and i was like oh, okay and i watched <laughs> oh, okay. the trailer and it just it felt very saw to me um yeah and i was just like okay i'm sure it'll be fine but it really just dropped off my radar and i know it made a lot of money it clearly made enough to want to make a sequel but it's one of those movies that i just totally forgot about because it hasn't popped up on streaming it really hasn't which is also surprising maybe it will now that this has been announced. Yeah. But it's just one of those things, and it doesn't even pop up as a recommended, because, you know, sometimes recommended will still be options that you have to pay for. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that just totally fell off my radar. Um, So I'll watch the first one and let you know. Okay. That sounds fair. I think it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of saw light if, if you're looking at it from, like, the, the trap angle. But I think what makes it so fun is... That is the most elaborate escape room yeah. I've ever seen. You know, I, it's one of those types of like production design that's so great that you realize saying out loud, I want to go there sounds so stupid because they're dying, <laughs> but like, it is the coolest escape room I've ever seen. It is so elaborate. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what, what I really connected with when I watched it. It's like, it's a fun movie, but that, that escape room series of rooms is so creative and elaborate and awesome 
Um, so yeah, I, I am curious. It, de- it sounds like they're kind of shifting a little bit more Hunger Games-ish with this tournament of champions. So yeah, like Zeta, we'll see. Um, and then last but not least at all, the Cenobites are going to be invading Hulu with a Hellraiser reimagining. Hulu has solved the puzzle box, acquiring the forthcoming Hellraiser reimagining from Spyglass Media. So announced last spring, David Bruckner, who will see his festival hit The Night House released in August through Searchlight, um, he's going to be bringing the return of the Cenobites from a screenplay that reteams him with Nighthouse's Ben Collins and Luke Petrowski. So Bruckner, if that name sounds familiar, he did Netflix's The Ritual, as well as uh, Bloody Disgusting's horror anthologies VHS and Southbound. Collins and Piotrowski were behind in Siren, the VHS spinoff, and the uh, coming-of-age thriller, thriller Super Dark Times. The original Hellraiser was written and directed by Clive Barker and an adaptation of his own novella, The Hellbound Heart. And the 1987 indie introduced audiences to a puzzle box that opens a gateway to a horrific world and unleashes Cenobites, mutilated beings dedicated to torture and led by one named Pinhead. Um, So that means with this movie officially happening at Hulu, that's a whole lot of Hellraiser we have because we've talked about before that a Hellraiser series is in the works at HBO Max with David Gordon Green, who did Halloween and Halloween Kills, directing the pilot and several more initial episodes. And that series was written by Michael Doherty, Trick or Treat. Krampus, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, uh, alongside Mark Verheiden, who did Battlestar Galactica. And Clive Barker is executive producing that one, So, but we don't know how involved he is. Um, so yeah, we have two different Hellraiser. One movie for Hulu, one series for HBO. <laughs> Any thoughts? Was that a question? Uh, no, that's a... I'm telling you... Process that and go. <laughs> I, I don't know. I do. I mean, say I've this... seen all the Hellraiser movies, including the most recent one. Was it was the most recent one Revelations? I honestly don't even know. I, I at don't this know. Point. I think so. Uh, and I liked aspects of it. I actually really liked the Cenobites aspect. There was kind of this like um. It was called like the auditor character, like the Cenobite world aspects. I like the creativity because that's really lends itself up to the art direction. And I love seeing um, like the really visual aspects, especially of like the Cenobites take hold. It's the plot that surrounds them that tends to be uh, tough. <laughs> and for some reason, they're all so many of the newer ones have focused on police officers and it seems like that that became its own trope that it's like a cop solving a puzzle about the puzzle box sort of thing yeah so i mean i'm open to it i like clive barker's writing and uh, there's always i mean pinhead's one of the the true icons in in horror but uh, i don't know like I think one of them's got to work, right? Either the movie or the TV series. We have two. The odds are in our favor, right? And with the TV series, you have that potential for that long term, like the long game. You can really like dive into. Actually, now that I say that, I don't know. I don't know if Hellraiser is meant to play that way. I don't know. I'm curious. I'm kind of fascinated to see where it'll go, but I'm really holding my breath on the movie. Zena, you got any thoughts? I have a 
good feeling about them both because, and I'm not going to lie. Like I remember a couple of weeks ago, um, Megan, when you were announcing some, some news stuff and that we were just getting so many shows and I'm like, why, you know, but <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this is the type of series that does need a series. Like, well, this is the type of movie that does need a series. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, when it comes with the movie, let's just be honest with the franchise. It's a mixed box. So I think that even with the people who are behind it, I have a really great feeling about it. I think that they're going to not disappoint us. So I do like David Breckner a mm-hmm. lot. Um, the night house I saw at Sundance and that was super creepy. So kind of a little bit of Hellraiser ish stuff in there. Um, so yeah, I I'm very curious. It's one of those things where it's not like the series, the original franchise has had a stellar track record. Right. Which means that it's already kind of like, well, <laughs> if it fails, that's yeah. just another in a long line or well, holy crap, Hellraiser the bar has been set low. <laughs> We're wowed. Yeah. But I don't know. I it's one of those things where I guess we'll see when we get there. I mean, obviously we're going to watch it regardless. Um our fingers for sure <laughs> so yeah all right listeners your turn you excited for more pinhead can't wait for more rl stein or to see me reprise i guess it wouldn't be reprised yeah did you star in the first time and we missed it <laughs> i might have the 90s are a blur for me i don't know a lot of what i was doing in the 90s we learned a lot about um, today. let's hear about it <laughs> The number is 224-475-1040. The number is in the show notes, too. If phones aren't your jam, no worries. If you don't want to call us and have your voice on the air or international rates are messing you up, like our email question today, feel free to email us at bedisgustingpodcast at gmail.com or keep an eye on our social media accounts for a chance to ask questions. Finally, Lena's going to make all our lives easier on the sea of horror movie options and clue us in on what's appearing soon and what we should be watching. So, Zena, what should we be watching? Well, we have three movies coming our way. So on Thursday, the 27th, this one is hitting Shudder, Skull, The Mask. This one is an action-packed horror depicting a supernatural serial killer based on pre-Columbian mythology. (laughs) Then (laughs) we have two on Friday. Technically, you could probably even catch the first one on Thursday night, depending on where you live. A Quiet Place Part 2 will be hitting theaters. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not only threats lurking behind the sand path. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom. Then... Funhouse, it'll be available on VOD. When eight celebrities from around the globe are invited to compete in an online reality show, they soon realize they are playing for their very lives. As they voted off, suffer horrific consequences broadcast live to the entire world. Then, just in case if you missed it, Army of the Dead, it's now on Netflix. I recommend this movie if you love zombie movies. I also recommend it because it's fun. And if you can watch it in a group, do that. And then also The Retreat. It is available on VOD. And Bloody Disgusting TV. Watch Aww. it. Live your best life. And that's the Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Megan, you can check out her reviews at bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at HauntedMeg. Zena can be found on her own site, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel of the same name, or at lovelyzena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast, Creepy. 
Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Be Disgusting Pod, on Facebook at The Bloody Disgusting Podcast, or drop us an email at Be Disgusting Podcast at gmail.com. And for even more content and rewards, check us out on patreon.com slash Be Disgusting Pod. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, and watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Mm-hmm.